Welcome to the Business Benchmark Group podcast, where you'll learn how to think strategically about your business and discover that while business is not easy, it doesn't need to be hard. With over 20 years experience in turning stalling businesses into thriving enterprises, here is your host, Stefan Kazakis, the founder and CEO of Business Benchmark Group. Hi, good evening and welcome. I guess uh, we've, we've coordinated a, uh, a sharing, a sharing with um, an organisation called EmployShore who are uh, considered to be one of Australia's, um, and I'd say one of the, the benchmark HR consultancy uh, companies in, in Australia and many other parts of the world. In Australia and New Zealand, um, EmployShore look after and manage and support over 27,000 businesses for which 80% of them are small, medium enterprise, SMEs. Uh, Malcolm Chong, who is the, uh, the regional um, sales manager and the regional relationship manager, is a, a very strong um, ally and um, an alliance partner of Business Benchmark Group. Almost 25% of our clients currently have been introduced from EmployShore and, and Malcolm at that. So I really thank his and EmployShore support. We also have Gwen Espy, who is um, a, senior, uh, a senior partner at EmployShore, sharing, um, I guess, um, some wisdom and some insights as to um, the period that is, known as COVID-19. And um, I'm looking forward to the sharing as, as, as we progress, and this will be recorded. And if you need to go back and listen to it again, there's a lot of conversation. There is a flowing conversation for three weeks now, the conversation is changing as it relates to HR, people that are employed, people that can be stood down, now job seekers. So we're going to hear more about that. And um, I look forward. I've also put um, Malcolm Chong's um, details here. So I've got his mobile number here. If you're going to be speaking to Malcolm, please ensure you're um, um, letting him know that you are part of the Business Benchmark Group tribe so that he, um, he puts special attention to you and quote ERA1547 so that he, uh, he's definitely ensuring he gets you to the top of the list as far as um, speaking to him and or their organisation. Over to you guys. Gwen. Awesome. Thanks, Rob. I'm going to uh, share my screen with you all uh, shortly and run through a, a presentation with you specifically talking about this virus that we're all currently um, living through and the, the, the circumstances in which we find ourselves specific to your employees. So particularly looking at um, your obligations um, for your employees around WHS as well, uh, or work health safety and that uh, stand down word. I think that's been uh, misused, overused in the media uh, at present. So we want to talk about what actually does that mean. Uh, redundancies as well, where that may be um, an option that some of you may have already sought for some of your employees, uh, and then some other alternatives or contingencies uh, that you may not have considered but might be worth um, flagging, and, of course, JobKeeper. In fact, I'll, I'll start with JobKeeper because I think that's probably on top of our minds for many of us, uh, and uh, I know on our advice line, which we have a 24-7 advice line for our clients through to EmployShore. Uh, I'm making up this figure, but probably 80-90% of calls today and yesterday would have been in relation to JobKeeper. Um, Malcolm will chime in whenever he uh, um, feels the uh, urge. 
And please, there's a chat um, function there um, that you should be able to see toward the bottom of your screen somewhere. Um, feel free, if you've got questions um, that you might like to ask, if you type them through in that chat box, um, I'll, I'll stop periodically and check those questions uh, and we'll answer them as we go. Um, and then, of course, there are still some there at the end uh, more than happy um, to answer them and uh, so that you can uh, hopefully go away this afternoon more um, informed about this particular issue relating to your employees. So the old coronavirus, I don't know about you, but six weeks ago I probably knew nothing about the coronavirus, um, certainly nothing from a workplace perspective. So um, just to put it in context, Obviously, we know it's a, um, now know it's a pandemic as uh, advised by the World Health Organization and the Australian government has been responding. Um, and I think um, Stefan already identified the, the, the ground is changing um, almost daily around what we can and can't do and, and businesses that might be required to close, for example. Whoops, I've just um, clicked my thing. Um, the um, Tasmanian government just this afternoon has announced further bans. Um, I'm based in Tassie. Um, the greyhound and horse racing is now banned, uh, which I was surprised hadn't already been. But initially, I think we, we were looking back at the 23rd of March now, which feels about 100 years ago, the federal government announced that non-essential services such as these had to shut clubs, pubs, uh, entertainment venues, cinemas, casinos, nightclubs, restaurants and cafes, gyms, uh, indoor sporting venues and places of worship, so churches, uh, why? Now, restaurants and, and cafes had a bit of a lifeline there because they could uh, maintain or even begin a takeaway option if they had those. Now, a few days later, they added to that list uh, a whole um, other range, which included um, beauty salons, nail salons, uh, massage um, businesses, hairdressers and barbers were uh, um, somewhat controversially allowed to stay open. Initially, there was a 30-minute service window that they had to um, fit in, but that's been removed uh, at this time. Uh, and, of course, a lot of businesses have just closed um, as a matter of choice um, through fear of, uh, of infection or the um, slowdown of their business. However, as we speak, schools, universities, airports, public transport, medical and emergency services, aged care homes, jails, courts, parliaments, supermarkets and a lot of other businesses remain open. Uh, however, there is a Cabinet meeting tomorrow, I understand, to discuss the broader retail uh, sector. We now also have a ban of more than two people at outdoor gatherings, uh, and that includes uh, personal training or um, boot camps, and there's also travel bans um, that have been gradually getting stronger as we, um, as we go through this period. Um, so now, as of, I think, Saturday night just gone, anyone entering Australia um, is met at the airport and taken to a government uh, accommodation, which I understand is all four- and five-star hotels, so it's not too shabby, but they have to remain there for 14 days uh, prior to be out, being able to go home. Uh, and uh, similar um, in a lot of states as well. Even people just returning, for example, to Tasmania, uh, and even residents have to go into the same uh, situation. There's also some bans uh, to stop people travelling to and from remote communities, uh, re remote um, Indian communities, to try and stop the infection. Um, as we speak, 
but as we know, things are, are changing and increasing. So keep your eyes, um, uh, you know, just so that you understand or know where that's at. Now the JobKeeper package. So the government announced a couple of days ago now that um, there's a $130 billion wage package or subsidy that employers can tap into to pay their employees uh, to keep them during this particular outbreak. So at this stage, um, it's every eligible employee must be paid $1,500 per fortnight, um, less tax, um, from their employer. There's no option to uh, claim that payment um, and keep it in any other fashion in the business. Um, it must be paid to the employee. Um, so to be eligible, businesses have to have an annual turnover of less than $1 billion and self-assessed which is interesting, um, a reduction in revenue of 30% um, more since the 1st of March. Um, now, what they'll measure that against uh, appears to be March of the previous year, um, but that detail is still um, unclear. Businesses that are turning over over a billion dollars have to demonstrate a 50% reduction um, before they can be eligible for the 1500 JobKeeper package. Um, and it is available for full-time and part-time employees, um, including any who may have already been stood down or even made redundant, that you can recall them, is what the government has said. Uh, I understand the Prime Minister was kind of um, calling on employers to go and take their employees back out of the Centrelink line um, and bring them back into the fold. Um, and a casual employee can also receive this amount of money as long as they've been with the business for 12 months or more. And again, even if they're receiving, on average, less than that $1,500, they must receive the $1,500, um, but they can only get it from one employer. So if you've got a casual who's working across a few businesses, um, they can't cash in three times across um, this period. Um, now, we are very much... Um, saying caution to our clients around this particular package until it becomes law. Because as we know, at this point, it's just a policy um, and how it will look when it's passed through may not be how it looks right now. There may be small changes, there may be significant changes. And we are yeah, cautioning our, our clients to not make decisions and commit to paying this uh, $1,500 now, this week, next week, before we know what it looks like when it's passed um, through Parliament. Um, because for one thing, the business will have to hold that um, amount of money each week right through until their BAS is uh, lodged at the end of April. So that first week of May would be the earliest that someone would see that money coming back into the business. Um, so there are a lot of questions that are unanswered at this point. And I imagine if I had a look at the chat, there'd probably be a lot of questions already uh, coming through from that. Um, so, oh, it's just the one, but it is about the JobKeeper um, uh, scheme. I have a casual that left to have a baby last May. She has done this before and come back after one year, which was our plan again. Will she be eligible for the 1500 So she was casual. That is one of those questions, um, Matthew, that um, remain unclear. Um, as to the answer, and again, the, the devil will be in the detail uh, once it's passed um, through Parliament. Um, there's a lot of uh, a lot of the queries that we're getting are also 
for the young uh, school age um, kids who are casuals, uh, you know, 16, 15, 16, 17 year olds who are um, working and have been for a long period of time, do they get the $1,500? Um, a lot of, lot of unsure and a lot of questions that we don't know the answer to um, at this point. So a question where um, we, we're seeing a fair bit of this week, Gwen, is mm. so a week ago, people were weighing up, do I go redundancy versus standout? I know you're going to cover this a little later on, but as it relates mm. to job seeker, a job, mm. um, job keeper, yeah. the, um, so last week they made a decision to stand team members down that they mm. may have also, they were on the line ball of just providing a redundancy because of, you know, just performance and, they just mm. weren't right for the business, let alone mm. taking them all the way through. So there was yeah. a handful of clients that had a, a clear understanding that if we go stand down now, we, we preserve the, um, the cash flow as it relates to entitlements. We'll deal with it on the other side of this. Mm. And this week they're a bit confused as to, oh, shit, do I need yeah. to go and get them and come yeah. and bring them back? And I don't want yeah. them to come back, so I just, should I just tell them they're redundant? So we've got a little bit of that playing out for a, yeah. uh, a significant number of our clients right Absolutely. now. And I can also understand the, uh, the confusion there. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that or what are your views on that? The, um, I think the important thing to remember is that you've still got to be able to afford to cover these payments as a business. So there is no obligation to you to bring any of your employees back. Uh, if you've stood them down um, or if you're considering redundancies um, and, you know, and there's a, a, a <clears throat> reason for the redundancy and you're not going to get yourself into trouble um, from fair work. Uh, so, you know, you may, have, you may have 10 employees, for example, who are on unpaid leave. Um, you might only be able to afford or you may assess that you have the ability to only bring five of those back. Um, and uh, I don't know. If you've been tuning into our managing director at 12 o'clock each day on Facebook, he's going live for a period of anywhere up to an hour talking about these issues as they grow each day. And he's um, very much expounding that um, your first uh, loyalty is obviously to the business um, and to yourself as the business owner um, rather than um, perhaps this almost moral obligation that the Prime Minister is suggesting we have to go and get those people and to bring them back um, that, uh, you know, if you don't, A, don't want them back or, B, don't think that financially it's the best decision for the business, you're under no obligation to do that. Absolutely. And then we have a bunch of clients that have um, definitely proceeded with a, a, a you know, across-the-board salary cut, let's call it. Mm. Mm -hmm. um, let's say anywhere between 10 20 25% across the board. Yeah. Everyone's on board with that and they mm -hmm. feel, well, this helped me bridge a bit of that gap so that the employees get back to 100 percent mm. that's definitely an option so you uh, as long as you pass on this full 1500 to your employees and the atos be, are going to be able to see that of course through this um uh through the one touch payroll that you're you're doing that you've then got the option to top that up to whatever their normal salary may have been or to closer to their normal salary uh and you know so then you can realize some savings it's suggesting that um you know the 1500 may cover up to 30% of a lot of businesses' wages, which is obviously significant um, if, uh, you know, the business needs to be making savings. Uh, absolutely. Okay. Thank you for that because they're, they're, they're two areas that personally, and I know the team have been um, fielding all sorts of, okay, now what do I do? Yeah. So, yeah, cool. Absolutely. But, 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 the, but the, the most important thing you shared there is it's not law. 
It's it not is confirmed. not long. And there is no. definitely for our clients that are on, for our um, guests that are on right now, you are and you will be required to cover the cash gap. Your money will leave your bank account before it comes back in up Correct. to about 60 days. So you've got to be really careful and, and thoughtful about that. Yes. Yeah. So it's, um, so I, you know, as, as I said, we are cautioning um, not to make any move until you know there is law and you will get this money back uh, uh, at some point. Um, and there's lots of detail around, does it apply to apprentices, for example? Um, does it apply to, you know, what if my employee's only been with me for 11 months? What if my March last year was a great one, but April, May, June were terrible? Um, you know, surely, you know, there's going to be some flexibility around being able to apply. Um, my first quarter was smashing this year because it's been a great start to the year. I'm going to lose 90% of my normal growth in the second quarter because of the coronavirus. Do I get so it? I've got, so I've got Eric with a question that sounds exactly like that. Do you want me to read it to you? Or are, you are you okay to read it? Or? Where are we? Eric, have I got... Does that come through on chat? So, if, so Eric, Eric, um, chat. Eric asked a question. If a company has good growth from this time last year, in other words, it's grown, mm. and put on more staff... Would they need yeah. to show a larger drop in revenue to get to this, to get to this number, otherwise known as thirty percent? Yeah, um, and I think again that's one of those um, details that the government <laughs> need to provide, um, and uh, they um, at this point haven't. And you know, possibly that's understandable. They've you know they're making policy on the run to try and um, provide. Uh, um, a lifeline and hope to uh, us all as business owners and, and employers across the country. Uh, but there is a lot of detail. And I, I noticed yesterday in the media, uh, in a, um, on some news um, site anyway, that the Labor government, had, uh, sorry, the Labor um, opposition had indicated that they are supportive of the package, but they want to see the detail. And I imagine this is some of that kind of detail because we don't want some businesses being hung out to dry while other businesses, you know, purely it's down to small technicalities that mean they can't. And in fairness, when this came out on Monday night and you read that little fine line, it was a really fine line, right? <laughs> it was almost cryptic. It said, and it must be measured against a similar month or equivalent of the last year. And it's sort of, yeah. that was interesting because then, you know, that, that sort of changed a lot of the, the, oh, I've got this, this is great um, yeah. momentum, which, again, we've had minimal conversations with our clients on, clients on this, this this week. We've done mm. a lot of work around the PAYG stimulus because that's mm -hmm. rock solid, right? Yeah. That, you can take that one to the bank and yes. ensure that you can, you can measure your cash flow on that for at mm. least the next 26, maybe even 32 weeks up until October. Yeah. So yeah. that one's yeah. rock solid. Yeah. This one... And then the government goes and throws a $10,000 uh, um, superannuation thing. And, and so all of a sudden, it's, it's just confusing everyone now. Yeah. So yeah. I've just put a bit of a hold on this. But, but coming back to, I guess, how it works for um, our, um, our employees, our, mm. um, our, our commitment to, for the right reasons, bringing people through. Yeah. Um, and, and I'll hand this back over to you. We've got a question from Steve. I have a solar business that is going okay at the moment. Mm -hmm. Steve, your business is going better than okay, mate. Last year, the state government dropped the solar rebate in Victoria, destroying the industry in April. I have mm -hmm. no chance of 30% reduction in business as I almost went under last year. Is there any wriggle room for this type of situation? Mm. I guess um, my, my, I'll, I'll, my understanding, Steve, for that is 
No, there is no wriggle room. This is definitely a, um, a, a consideration as it relates to predominantly businesses that in March have certainly locked the doors and, you know, tens and, and hundreds of people who have lost their job. It yeah. certainly is angled towards those businesses. And for the rest of us, which is 85% of industry, we're going to sort of find our way through this and we may get some of it is my mm. understanding. So yeah. if you've had a better than last year year, and, mm. and for the reasons you've described, which are a different conversation altogether with mm. the solar rebate debacle, um, you're most likely not going to be in a position to be um, putting your hand up for this unless April versus April, May versus May starts changing for you. In fairness, though, you have a team that you can go to right now if you're going to and they're good, your people, you can go to them and ask them to take a pay cut and um, do that in a legal sort of way and see where that takes you. Mm. Um, Glenn's got a good question. What if you started a business less than a year ago? And we've had a lot of queries like that through to our advice line. And, and uh, I know Ed answered um, some of those kind of queries on Facebook today that um, surely this package would be available to those businesses because um, if anything, they're probably more vulnerable um, than, you know, some established businesses. So, yeah, the sooner the government come through with some more detail on this, um, but we're probably looking at a week or two from at this point before it passes um, through Parliament, assuming that it does. Um, I wouldn't like to be the opposition if they didn't pass it, though. So <laughs> potentially you would think it will pass just how it looks. Let's just move on. Um, Quickly to some other topics. I know we'll come back to the JobKeeper part, um, questions um, uh, during the the, um, the the presentation. In terms of WHS or work health safety, um, and I just keep touching my screen. Sorry, um, or OHS as it is called in Victoria. Uh, your obligation as a, as a business owner and an employer, as you know, is to uh, provide a safe workplace for your employees um, and anyone else who enters your workplace, so customers, clients, contractors, um, the general public. Now, in terms of the coronavirus, that's just up the ante a little bit at this point. And depending on what you do for work uh, and what your workers do, you may need to um, add uh, to your current WHS uh, policies. So you need to look at your procedures and your policies, particularly around infection control. Now, for those of us who've not worked in industries like medical or dental or childcare, where it's possible to come into contact um, relatively easy with bodily fluids, we may not have an infection control policy. But we need to have a look at getting one of those into our, um, our procedures and our policies. Obviously, making sure your employees are aware what good hand hygiene washing actually looks like. Um, I still talk to clients and, and um, just, you know, generally people who think that this whole 20-second washing your hand thing is a bit of a, um, a crazy situation, but that's what we're being told it takes to get this thing off, you know, if we've touched something with it and we've got the virus on our hands and, of course, coughing and sneezing into a tissue and into the bin and then wash your hands. Um, so make sure you communicate that. Have posters up on the wall if it's appropriate, if you're still working um, in a workplace um, and you haven't uh, deployed your, your, your team to home. Um, avoiding unnecessary contact. The old handshake is a goner at the moment. No handshaking, um, hugging, kissing, touching in any other way in, in the workplace. And if you've still got, if you're in an industry where you're still working um, with other employees, have that social distancing. So you might have... Um, uh, 
the workstations further apart um, or miss one altogether and have people stretched out. I had a client yesterday or someone who attended one of these webinars and she said they have five employees on two floors at the moment, so well stretched out. Um, and have a look at your general workplace uh, processes and uh, um, and situations. So, for example, can you stagger your employees coming to and from work haven't got so many in uh, the one space at the one time? Uh, can you stagger and have two different shifts? They, one comes, um, finishes work and leaves, space in the middle, clean down, and then your other team come in and do the same thing. Um, and consider... If you've got plans for employees to travel together, even by car, but probably not many of us are going anywhere by plane at the moment, um, can you avoid that at this point or can you have them all travel in separate vehicles and ensuring wherever they're going that, that social distancing is, is going to be able to be put into place? So, Glenn, I'll answer your question. You've got three workers that work on a scissor lift together. Mm -hmm. um, what we don't understand is the size of your scissor lift. Let's just say it's a standard scissor lift because um, a three-person scissor lift is not a normal one, I'm thinking. Um, I, I guess you've just got to um, abide by the, uh, the one-and-a-half-metre uh, distance. Um, I would be definitely supplying countless um, um, numbers of gloves for them. I'd be definitely supplying them masks and, and, and glasses um, and again, just what else can go with that kit is how you'd want to be uh, considering that. If you're in a scissor lift that doesn't allow for three people to be one and a half metres apart, then in fairness, they shouldn't be on that scissor lift. Um, and you'll probably find um, that employees may be starting to um, uh, rebel and ask not to have the be put in those sort of situations. Um, and so if we look particularly, what happens if someone in your workplace does actually have the virus and they advise you of that and for some reason they're still at work, obviously you direct them to um, leave immediately and then jump on uh, the phone to the Department of Health to get advice on do you have to shut down your business temporarily, you know, the premises, um, and if so, how long? And then the process of identifying who may have had close contact with that person and letting them know that they may have had contact with someone who's infected. It's important that you don't breach that person's privacy by identifying them, just um, advising that it, they need to, um, you know, seek information and advice for themselves. And then you'll need to do a risk assessment to identify um, what do I need to put in place to stop this happening again, um, including cleaning down, um, you know, if, that, if it's a, uh, an internal workplace, for example. Just, just very quickly, Gwen, I just want to make sure. So we're speaking with Gwen and Malcolm from EmployShore. EmployShore is one thing. of the largest HR uh, consulting organisations in Australia and many other parts of the world. They work with 27,000 Australian and New Zealand-based businesses. Malcolm Chong, who is our regional sales uh, um, um, uh, manager, his mobile number is here. Mention business benchmark group so you go straight to the top of the list for him and if you mention the quote and quote ERA1547 you get straight to Malcolm which is um, a fairly high level authority and he'll direct you to the, uh, to the best advisor and they got 800 people on their team working on exactly what we're asking and discussing and, and requesting today so just in case because there's, there's plenty of questions coming through right now we don't yeah. get across to everyone and we don't get mm -hmm. everyone... I guess, um, I guess, you know, 
the, to the level of, of clarity that they need as it relates to your business. Mm. Please make sure you reach out to Malcolm. Please make sure you take his phone number down. It's 0456. Malcolm doesn't typically share his mobile number. 0456. Thank you for allowing me to do this. 783. Thank you, Malcolm. 360. Mention Business Benchmark Group because you are, this is a client-only webinar that we are running right now. And mention the quote ERA1547. Thank you, Gwen. Back to you. Thank you, Stephen. Um, now, many um, of you who have who've, um, joined, and I know um, myself and Stefan definitely fall in this bucket, but working from home now, and you've probably got a lot of your employees working from home if that's appropriate. That brings with it a, a number of challenges of their own from a work health safety perspective. Primarily, if the home becomes a workplace, um, then uh, the, your level of responsibility as an employer then switches to that, that space uh, to ensure that a risk assessment is done of that space by the employee. Um, ideally, you can't uh, likely drive around to everyone's home and, and do a risk assessment, um, but you need to know that where they are proposing to work from home is safe because workers' compensation claims can still come in when they work from home. And they need to know if they're working from home also that uh, your policies still uh, are in place and still apply even if they're at home. And so sanctions can still be uh, made, anything up to and including termination uh, if it's a serious breach of your WHS policies. And then from the other side, um, you need to consider the mental health of your employees working at home. Uh, and I think it's fair to say that the gloss wears off pretty quick. Um, if from working at home and uh, there might be some effects and, and some um, concerns that employees have that you may not have con um, considered. So, for example, your employees are isolated potentially and they're at completely out of routine. They're eating, sleeping, working, living, potentially homeschooling, um, everything happening all in the one space um, and their routine of, you know, going on the train and getting their coffee and going to the office is just gone temporarily. They may also be sleeping less well, which is going to impact their capacity uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. There may be less communication going on with colleagues. So I would encourage you that, to look at these kinds of um, uh, options of keeping your employees connected. Uh, and then particularly if you've got an employee who lives alone, um, they may well be feeling very isolated and, um, and very lonely um, connect, um, uh, at present. Uh, now, I'm just going to go, there's a couple more questions, well, quite a few. I'm just going to answer a couple more. Um, Craig, when will the legislation be debated? Uh, at this point, we've been advised within the week or two. That's as far as we know at the moment. Um, uh, yeah, I think, is it Grayshon? I hope I say that wrong, right? <laughs> not wrong, I've said not wrong. Property manager, I'd like to know if there are any exemptions um, in terms of that growth or that, that um, reduction. Again, that's one of those levels in the de detail. Um, and, yeah, we'll be keen to see that as well. Um, so, so Grace, Sean, um, Sean Tell or Graham there, it's, um, yeah. it's still a little, um, it's, it's very unclear. Mm, Nobody has a complete is. answer on that. Is it, no, is it as it relates not. to March 19? Is it relates to um, February 20? There is so much confusion. Actually, this is the one thing yeah. that they've done a little... Um, in, in the last two weeks, this is probably the biggest um, that's caused unnecessary, unnecessary distraction, in my opinion. So yeah. we yeah. still don't know. So we don't know. 
Yeah. Um, Jade um, has asked if when I mentioned safe, do I mean ergonomically? Um, ergonomics is one of them. I'd recommend doing a WHS checklist that they go through to, uh, to confirm that, um, for example, um, you know, there's no major hazards in their home that, um, excuse me, there's a fly flying around. Um, I live on the river, so we get lots That's of That's a flies. hazard, Gwen. That is a hazard right there. <laughs> um, so not just ergonomics, but the workplace in general, um, you know, their appropriate lighting and all of those things. Um, if you jump on Google um, you can, and you Google some um, work health safety checklists, um, you'll see some that, that um, would be worth having a look at. So now it doesn't want to change screen. There we go. And obviously communicate that through to your employees. Anything that you change in regard to your WHS, um, you need to be clear um, with your employees that they know what your expectations are. So any, if you update anything, make sure you communicate it through a memorandum. So we, we're recommending, for example, a uh, policy regarding the coronavirus as an um, employee document and then a, a policy regarding WHS specifically around um, infection control. So put that in a memo, make sure all the employees get it and they sign off on it to say to you, I've read it, I've sorry, I've received it, I've read it and I understand it. Um, and uh, make sure that they know now that things are out of, you know, balance and we, we're all in different spaces all of a sudden, if something does go wrong from a work health safety perspective, um, who do they tell? You know, where, where do they go so that everyone knows where their reporting um, structures are? Now, absences, this is a big uh, issue coming through on our advice line and many of you are probably facing the same thing. So for, uh, you may have employees who are saying, I don't want to come to work. I'm scared that I will catch the virus or I'm scared that I'll give it to my um, elderly mother or my children or whatever it is. At the heart of it, at the top of it, an employee can't just refuse to come to work. They have to try and come to an arrangement with you that you can both uh, live with. And obviously it's best practice if you can um, negotiate something that will work for both of you because you don't want an unhappy, potentially toxic employee in your workplace necessarily. They may create more damage uh, than good. Um, but if they do, if you do come to an agreement, it's not sick leave or personal leave because they're not sick. They're voluntarily staying home. Uh, so you may allow them to... Uh, access some paid leave if they've got annual leave or long service leave or in the absence of either of those it would be unpaid leave and I would um, caution I know a lot of employers are keen um, to do the right thing by their employees and let them access sick leave at this point even when they're not sick because they don't have anything else available that could come back to bite when this is all over uh, when the employee is genuinely sick with something and all of a sudden can't access sick leave uh, they may well um, end up before fair work and say, look, they forced me to take sick leave uh, and I'm sick and I don't have any. Uh, and you may be forced then to pay that back to them. Uh, so you've actually paid it twice, which none of us want. Um, and you might need to update your leave application um, and requirements during this period of time uh, because, you know, it might not be appropriate or able, for example, if you normally would require... Uh, a return to work form filled out, for example, even if it's online, that might be more difficult. So just have a look at your processes and whether they're going to work in our current environment. Now, what about this self-isolation? Um, whether, you know, 
where some of us and a lot of us are currently having to do periods of self-isolation, uh, either because there's a risk that that person has come into contact with someone or they are in fact sick. Now, that you may have seen some media around uh, something called a pandemic leave that, that uh, Fair Work are proposing. That is not law either at the moment. Um, so just hold uh, a caution on that about this pandemic leave, uh, flagging it as possibilities for some awards. Um, but, yeah, we'll watch this space on that one. But as we, as we sit here now, if your employee can't come to work because they are required to self-isolate, so classic example, someone who's just returned from overseas uh, and they may not be sick but they're not allowed to come to work, Again, by mutual agreement, you might allow them to access um, annual leave or non-service leave. Um, if they don't have anything available to them, then it's unpaid leave or leave without pay until they can. Unless you can get them working remotely, do they have a job that you can get them doing something useful um, to be able to uh, provide um, something for them to do but also be um, active for you? Um, and, uh, but on the other hand, if they are sick, they do actually have the virus and are in isolation because of that, um, they would uh, have access to paid sick leave, assuming they've got any accrued. However, I would still recommend that you follow your processes, that they have to provide evidence um, there's of that, um, so a medical certificate. There are always going to be that one in 20, 30, whatever it is, employee who's going to take advantage uh, and take some leave uh, that they may not be entitled to at this point. Now, once they are better and allowed to leave isolation, you would want a clearance from their doctor to state that they are fit to return to work and that they are no longer infectious. Um, and you would want that document prior to them stepping back on to your workplace. Now, in some circumstances, you may not be comfortable still to allow them to come back regardless of that clearance for whatever reason. Now, if that's the case and you can't get them uh, doing work at home remotely, but it's not appropriate for their role, uh, you'd need to pay them just their normal pay for that time. But it is an option open for you. If they can't get a clearance, um, then they stay on leave um, until, whether it's unpaid or paid personal leave, until they can get a clearance. Now, stand down. This, um, I think, uh, maybe last week, this week it's John Keeper. Last week it was stand down. Uh, was so widely used in the media and the week before um, particularly, I'm just getting a message that my internet connection is unstable. Can you still hear me okay, Matt? Yeah, it's all good, yep. Gwen. Yeah, all good. Yep, we can hear you. Right. Um, now, stand down is a very specific provision in the Fair Work Act. Um, the media were throwing it around last uh, couple of weeks, I think a little bit uh, irresponsibly, in that uh, they were probably using it for um, circumstances where it wasn't actually uh, involved. So... Um, the, um, in terms of the Fair Work Act, uh, if the Department of Health orders you to close your business um, and your employees can't be reasonably uh, able to work elsewhere, so they can't be deployed to another site or they can't work from home, then you may be in a position to call on this stand-down um, provision in the Fair Work Act and stand them down without pay. Uh, on the other hand, um, if, you, if you haven't necessarily got a mandate to close down by the government, but you have um, serious concerns about the health and safety of your employees, um, or there are other issues around stoppage for work that you can directly 
um, say as a result, um, the cause is the coronavirus, again, you may be able to access the stand down provisions. Now, I keep saying may and being cautious around that because uh, it is a very narrow um, uh, provision in the Fair Work Act. And the ramifications for you as a business owner, if you do stand down employees in the wrong circumstances, uh, could be, uh, number one, when this is all over, your employees may sue you for their unpaid, uh, for that period of time. And all of a sudden you've got a big bill of unpaid um, wages. And there are also breaches of the Act, um, anything from $12,000 and upwards um, that, that could be given. So under the Act... Um, an employer can only stand down if the direct cause is something that is out of their control. So the mandate to shut down is very much out of control, out of your control. However, a downturn in business, however drastic, um, is not a mand is not a um, capacity to use this provision. So over the weekend, um, I spent a lot of hours on our advice line, and I don't know if any of you who are um, with us today are dentists or dental. Um, practice owners, but uh, we had a lot of dentists that we were talking to who are our clients who had been advised by the ADA to stand down, the Australian Dental Association, to stand down their employees. It was a really risky venture um, and uh, because it was due to a severe downturn, the ADA were recommending the business that dentists don't do anything except some very specific emergency uh, procedures uh, that is just a turn down and they were just uh, a business or, um, and they were just recommendations by the ADA. There was no mandate for them to be closed. So very risky um, to stand them down. So you have to be able to answer some of these questions. If I could just turn the page, there we go. Number one, check your award or your enterprise agreement or your contract of employment. It may have provisions in there regarding stand down. Um, you have to be able to um, establish causation as being COVID-19, um, the real reason for the stoppage of work. So by definition, not just a downturn. Um, you have to show that you've explored all other, other opportunities for an employee to be usefully employed elsewhere. Um, it doesn't mean you have to come up with, you know, crazy um, schemes to keep them employed, uh, but you have to explore those options. If your employee is already on unpaid leave or paid leave, it's already been approved, you cannot stand them down at that point. Um, so if you can't satisfy all of those requirements, um, there's a risk, quite severe, I would suggest, um, given that most people are in self-preservation mode at the moment, um, that you may be challenged by fair work at some point. Um, so, Gwen, can I ask a question on that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, have, we have many clients that are... Um, I guess in, in, in a situation as days go by now that the projects that they're working on or just about to get on, um, for whatever reason, are um, being paused. Yes. And or being um, um, delayed. Mm -hmm. They're not shelved, they're not cancelled, but mm. they're certainly paused. And no one really knows when the shop opens again, right, or the, yes. or the job opens again. Yeah. In that situation, as it relates to what we're sharing here, is there a probable um, reason for um, stand-down? Not um, likely to be as stand-down under the, under the Act. Um, and, and I think we need to be really careful um, 
to use the right um, phrases because um, even if you haven't done the wrong thing but you're using this term, um, stand down, it might not be what you're actually doing. These are the alternatives to look at. And some of you would have... Okay, perfect. Those. Um, so look at inviting your employees. If you've got the cash flow uh, to take annual leave or long service leave that they may have accrued. Now, some awards, um, Fair Work is rushing through some emergency changes to awards to, for example, allow um, you to request employees take half pay or, or um, yeah, half pay annual leave. So it'll stretch out for a longer period of time. Or um, an unpaid leave um, period, uh, if you've got employees who are able to do that. Um, you might want to look at um, other arrangements, you know, flexible work arrangements. Can they reduce their hours temporarily? Uh, if you've got a full-time employee, will they agree to reduce to from full-time down to, you know, half of that or even less if that's a way of preserving their job and preserving the business? Um, or can they work at different job sites or, or other ones? Um, because what we want to avoid for your business is fair work action. Um, and then in and, in and above that are your casual employees. Now, I think it's a general sense that if I've got casuals, I can just get rid of them at any time. Now, that's um, it's not the case. They have a lot of protections um, under fair work, almost the same as a full-time or part-time employee particularly if they are regular and systematic casuals. So what I mean there is if you've got a true casual, they're just someone who just drops in here and there to fill a gap. They don't know when they're coming back. When they today shift, they don't know if they're coming back next week, in three weeks, it could be tomorrow. They don't know. A, genuine, sorry, a, a regular and systematic casual has a lot more idea than that. So you need to look at how they worked for me um, what does the award say that we are working under? And the award talks about casual employees and what you may and may not do. Um, and options for redeployment. So we can't use them here, but can we use them over in this part of the business? So the classic would be the restaurants. We've had closed dining, but they've um, certainly here in uh, Chaz, and I imagine it's happening all over the country, um, restaurants are all of a sudden becoming takeaway providers. Um, you can pretty much order whatever you want and you can take it away. Um, from from you. Um, someone, uh, Megan's just asked a question, can we change the employment conditions from full-time employee to a contractor? I would very much caution that um, uh, as a no. Um, prim primarily, again, Fair Work look very closely at contractor arrangements um, and they would consider that almost without uh, exception, I think, is what they call sham contracting because you're, you're converting them to contracting in order to avoid having to pay wages, um, uh, leave, sick leave, personal leave and so forth, uh, and annual leave. Um, so that would be an option um, I would caution you not to explore unless you really didn't have any other options. Um, certainly you can reduce your casuals' hours, but again, if they're regular and they're systematic, you would need to look at um, their agreement um, uh, to do that. Megan's asked, if they have no leave um, left, I think, are you asking, is it okay to convert, uh, to look to convert them? Um, still no, um, because uh, they, uh, um, they have an employment relationship now uh, and effectively if you're looking to convert them to contractor, unless they've specifically come to you and said, my dream is to, you know, be a contractor for this business, uh, it would be very fraught with risk. Um, of unfair dismissal um, and
and then um, uh, claims um, for um, of, of sham contracting. So there we go. Now redundancy. This is one we want to talk about as well. Um, as a business, uh, we're advising our clients to really think twice possibly even three times before they move to a redundancy situation um, because of that risk, again, of an unfair dismissal claim. Now, obviously, at the moment, lots of businesses are um, experiencing a severe downturn in um, uh, turnover, and that may be a reason to look at reducing your workforce. However, we also are cautioning people to, look, to think about, well, what about when we get over this hurdle, um, and we're back to whatever our new normal looks like, you may have to then staff up again and all of a sudden you're looking for talent um, potentially um, and it will be difficult to find them, uh, particularly in the time frame that you want. However, if you are looking at redundancies, again, they can be um, subject to unfair dismissal claim um, if it's not done um, correctly. So first of all, you have to be able to identify, clearly show through a business um, case that this job's no longer required um, for whatever reason, be it that it's been absorbed into the business, you've got new technology, um, or the downturn's so severe that you're actually just stopping that role altogether or that department or whatever the case might be. Be sure that you're complying with all the obligations under your award or your, or your agreement. Uh, again, now some... Um, I think from some of the questions, we would have building and construction companies out there would that be a fair call yep definitely building construction mobile crane award um plumb fire sprinklers my favorite word fire sprinklers like people running around sprinkling fire um <laughs> fire sprinklers and and some manufacturers under the manufacturing award and there will be others so just the ones off the top of my head have very specific provisions about uh, redundancy and they're quite ugly um, they're uh, um, additional to the normal redundancy provision. So make sure you know what you are getting in for if you're thinking redundancies because it might be um, a very cost prohibitive. It may not be worth you doing that. You might want to look at other options um, first. Um, now, having said that, um, some employees are not entitled to redundancy pay. You still have to follow a process, but they won't get that, um, you know, additional money. If they haven't been with you for 12 months, casual employees don't get redundancy. And I think I would be correct in saying I, there are no um, uh, exceptions to that rule. If someone is employed for you for a, for a fixed-term contract, there is no redundancy. Trainees and apprentices um, and small businesses, if you have under 15 employees, generally can avoid paying redundancy. However, again, those awards that I just flagged and potentially others have redundancy provisions that sit over top of all of that. So even if you're a small business, for example, so under 15 employees in the building construction award, you still are going to pay redundancy um, regardless. Uh, so just make sure you understand where you might sit in that process. And then in terms of running a fair process so that, uh, again, you can avoid unfair dismissal um, claims, uh, it's not a case uh, of walking in today and saying, thanks, I'm so sorry, but your position is redundant. Um, please pack your desk up and, and leave. Um, there is a process you must follow in almost every case. Um, first of all, you need to warn the employee that their position is at risk. Um, 
and give them 24 to 48 hours before you meet with them again. Uh, and at that point, you'll be consulting with them. And the point of that meeting is a genuine exchange of ideas and information to say, the business is saying, this is why we're thinking about it. And the employee is saying, well, I think this is how we can avoid it. This is what, this is what I can bring to the table. Um, you then go away, consider what was said, may only be an hour between these two meetings now, um, and then come back and provide an outcome to them. So the outcome might be, um, yes, I'm sorry, your position is redundant. We don't have any other options available for you. Um, it might be redeployment. If there is an option for redeployment within your business and that person has the skills, you must offer them that option before making their position redundant. Um, or you might have agreed to a reduction in hours or um, uh, changing from a full-time position to casual, something like that. And then you need to close the loop and make sure you document that um, outcome, uh, whether it's a new contract or a letter stating, I'm sorry, but you are redundant and here's your um, pay um, notification um, or whatever the situation might be. Here are some alternatives. Um, now, we've flagged some of these already to redundancy, again, particularly if it's going to be a cost prohibitive practice for you. Um, obviously, take, take some leave, paid or unpaid. Sabbaticals is not something, a, a phrase that we use very often. Um, and if we don't work in a university, they're forever taking sabbaticals. Um, and you, maybe your employees have the dream to, I don't know, write a book or, um, I don't know, identify every bird species in a local forest or something. Um, they may be willing to take at a period of paid or unpaid. Um, find a cure to COVID-19, Gwen. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, find the, find the vaccine. I saw something today that mums will find the vaccine before for scientists if they don't hurry up <laughs> <laughs> to go back to school. Um, secondments to another company. Is there a company that you're aware of who could take your employee for a period of time uh, and cover that wage? Um, more flexible work redeployment we've talked about, and retraining. Maybe you do have um, a skill gap over here that you can get some training um, done for this employee and move them over there and keep them um, within the business. What I would caution uh, at this point, the natural uh, probably thought process that many of you are going through is now's the time to trim the dead wood um, and make people redundant who aren't performing or I don't like or uh, um, I've been wanting to get rid of. Just need to make sure that you follow this process very carefully for those employees so that there is um, no risk for them um, being successful in an unfair dismissal claim. So you have to be able to show why their position was chosen. So, for example, if you've got 10 people who do the same job and you only talk to one person of being risk of that redundancy, that's going to be a very big risk of an unfair dismissal claim. Even if your intention um, is to only lose one, and you probably know in the back of your mind who that is, you're going to have to take all 10 of those people through the process um, uh, to minimise your risk of unfair dismissal. Um, now, Ed, I mentioned um, Ed Mallett, our uh, managing director. Um, some of you may have seen him on Channel 7 News last night. Um, he uh, is very much talking on his Facebook Live um, posts about um, planning and opportunity and, and Stefan and um, Malcolm and I were talking a little bit about that before we came live onto this um, and is about getting out of the denial and the crisis mode where we're just sort of um, almost like cartoon characters running on the spot trying to just get through the next minute because things are changing so fast and move into first of all planning so 
how am I going to protect my business and get my business through the next week, the next month, the next three months and the next six months? Um, and, and then looking for opportunities um, that might present themselves, which might mean a total pivot for your business. Um, as one of our clients, again, was on the news last night, Four Pillars Gin Distillery, I believe they are. Um, and they've stopped producing gin and they're producing hand sanitizer, um, which meant they, I think they said they had 30 employees that were looking at having to lose all of them. Um, and they've been able to bring them all back on to produce hand sanitizer. So, a perfect example of finding opportunity in the um, market that we have. Um, obviously, we all wish we were toilet paper producers right now, um, but you know, there are other you know, opportunities that you guys are all in entrepreneurs who run your own business businesses, you know, there's going to be things out there that may present themselves as opportunities. Um, and, uh, you know, we want to look at those and, you know, that's, you know, if you have the opportunity, 12 o'clock every day, Ed's on Facebook, um, jump in um, and have a listen. Uh, up to 15,000 people are accessing that uh, every day. And he answers questions as he goes. And if he doesn't get to the question, he um, stays up and types back the responses um, later into the evening. Oops, Daisy. There I go. Um, so, in, in terms of that planning and contingencies, um, obviously, if you've got employees who can work from home and you haven't already got them there, we would recommend get them working from home. Set them up. Uh, make sure they've got what they need in terms of. Um, and software and appropriate um, furniture, whatever it might be, uh, and get them home and uh, working for you productively. Identify what risks might be in your um, uh, potentially there for your business. You know, if there's a mandated shutdown for all of us, um, what will that mean for your business? What if you can't get your supplies um, through that you need to um, be able to continue to fill orders or manufacture your product or what have you? What's your contingency there? Um, uh, and, you know, some of you are possibly already experiencing that because you need your product to come from overseas and they've already shut down, for example. Um, and have a look, as we already talked about, reallocating work, reorganising systems um, to protect uh, your employees so far as possible. And this last one, it may be a bit of a change, temporary shift of mind for us. Um, I think most of us... Um, particularly who are um, driven uh, and uh, focused in our people, we somewhat frown on those who take sick leave uh, unless they've already got one foot in the grave. At this point in time, if someone has got so much as a sniffle, we don't want them at work. So we need to actively encourage people to stay home uh, if they experience any form of symptom that could suggest a cold or a flu, which could suggest the coronavirus. Um, so, again, make sure your policies are flexible around that um, and uh, that they are aware that you're, um, you're promoting that and you're going to support them to stay home uh, until they're better. Uh, and, again, having those posters around your workplace, um, if you've got these symptoms, we don't want to see you. Um, you know, sniffly nose, cough, um, sore throat, fever, any of those, don't come to work. If they do come to work, had an interesting call on the advice line last night. One of our advisors an employee had gone to work with flu-like symptoms um, and not uh, advised because she didn't have any personal leave left and she didn't want to not get paid. Now, they already had a policy, the um, coronavirus virus policy in place, and the advisor reached out to me to say, 
or, you know, should they run a disciplinary process? I would say yes in that case because they're breaching a work health safety policy um, and risking other people's health and safety. Um, so just as an interesting side, you can get any of those. Uh, there you go, Malcolm. Stop, stop sneezing and coughing. <laughs> <laughs> let me go back and see if we've got some questions that I haven't answered here. Um, talk, Glenn, I talked to you about that one. Um, does this cover apprentices, even though they are covered by different payment? Matthew, that's a JobKeeper question. Yeah, definitely. Um, again, that's one of those we're not sure. Um, potentially, um, but, yeah, I, I because there is already something else available um, for apprentices which I understand is up to 50% of their wages, uh, I'm not sure. Or whether it's going to be um, both available. That's in the demo detail. Um, we talked about that one, Jade, and Glenn, we answered that one. Has anything come through on the other? Um, you pay super and leave on top of the 1500 You'll definitely be yeah. paying... You'll definitely be paying super and leave will be accruing if they're working yeah. hours, of course. Yes, yeah. Um, I think there's a little bit of uncertainty around the super, um, being that it's a, a payment rather than wages. But, yeah, at this point, assume that you'll be paying super. Um, until well, the, inter the interesting thing there, Gwen, and this is, again, just part of the, isn't it, the interesting part in the, um, as, as far as the JobKeeper is concerned, we're not sure whether we'll be paying PAYG on it. No. By the no. way which, by the way, dovetails into the other stimulus. Yes. So the, when I read this on Monday night, I'm thinking, okay, well, this, this has got a bit of crossover going on. Mm. And with the people I'm, um, I'm having, you know, accountants and people that are also trying to figure this out in the last mm. couple of days, mm. we're of the belief that there's a... One might cancel the other one out. Yeah. We're not yeah, sure. and yeah, exactly. Uh, there is that level of uncertainty that's frustrating at the present. Super will definitely need to be paid. I mean, if people are working hours, strictly speaking, superannuation would need to be paid on whatever you're paying as a gross wage, mm. is my understanding, again, not to, not mm. to be confirmed. Mm. And they are definitely accruing leave and or entitlement. Yes, definitely accruing. There's no question. <clears throat> that one doesn't, yeah. doesn't that, that's not ambiguous. They will be. Yeah. Um, just one quick, um, we're getting a lot of questions on the advice line, so I might just flag this for you all. Um, if you've got employees who are stood down, so actually stood down under the provisions of the Fair Work Act, um, our interpretation at this point, uh, you will still need to pay them for the public holidays. So there won't be a zero um, wage bill that particular week. So the, the, what, one, two public holidays around the Easter and then... Um, <clears throat> Anzac Day public holiday because it's on a Sunday, I think, so um, you won't have it there. But, yeah, if they're in stand down, you do need to pay public holidays, uh, but um, you don't need to pay, for example, if they fall sick um, and provide a medical certificate, there's, there's no... Um, uh, uh, um, even if they can't go on to sick uh, pay. And, and the other thing on that, Gwen, is they are accruing, even in a stand down scenario, they are accruing their... Accruing their entitlements, that's right. That's right. If they're on unpaid leave, so they've agreed to a period of unpaid leave as opposed to stand down, they're not accruing. But if they're on stand down, they are accruing. Um, you've got to love our complicated system, but <laughs> that's, uh, that's where we stand um, as we speak. 
I think we've answered all the questions there. I think, I think we have, and there's there's, there's, a, there's a handful there. that we bunched up in in, in one or what or a different way. The um so so to put a bow on this, to put a bow on this, I know you got a couple more um slides to go. Um, no, oh yes, I have. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, sorry. So so to put a bow on this and 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 sort of just make it really clear, mm. this is uncharted waters. This is Absolutely. very 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 unusual and unprecedented times that we are going through. Yeah. None of us have experienced this. The Australian government, as it, as, as, as it, I guess, is demonstrating, is doing its best and working as hard as it can in a totally aligned um, way with the, the opposition, the ATO, Centrelink, the unions. They are all working, the banks, the insurance companies, they are all working on this together to somehow navigate and navigate as quick as they can through a very unknown and unfamiliar situation, uncertain yeah. situation. Yeah. The most important thing you can do as an owner and a leader in your business is keep on being educated on what are your options. If you took this way versus that way, what does that actually mean? No different mm -hmm. if you were making any of these decisions six months ago or in 12 months' time. You still need to be aware and educated as to how does this work for you. You definitely have a business that still needs leadership and extreme leadership at that. If, any, if there was any time for leadership, it is now. You do need to be working on the relaunch, restart, and we are open for business when that day officially lands. And one thing is for sure and one thing is totally clear. We are all in this together. This is not unique to a business, an industry, or a part of the world at all. This is for all of us to be on this dance floor, and therefore there is minimal ignorance as to what is the problem. There is one or two or three or five different ways and levers we can be pulling to get through the problem, and one of them is very centrally related to how is it that we navigate our employees and our team through this and ensure that you don't lose your home, you don't burn your business, and most importantly, you are thoughtful and sober about every decision you make. Every decision you make, regardless of what's going on, will always have a ripple to something else. Your, your, your priority and your ultimate responsibility is to be really clear about every decision you make and how does that play out in one, two, three, four, five weeks, two, three, four, five, six months, and having Gwen and, and Malcolm on today from EmployShore who are dealing in, centrally speaking, the HR space and the HR advice and what we have heard here tonight in this um, sharing, in this webinar, and I thank you guys for being on and making, making your time. You're, you're very much um, very grateful because some of the information you have shared is you've actually given us a little bit of a, hmm, let's also be very cautionary about every decision we make because it's not that straightforward because we've got COVID-19 being a, I guess, a, a deflection moment. So I, I actually learnt a, um, I got some really good distinctions in this conversation, Gwen. Awesome. I thank you so That's much for great. doing that. Absolutely. And I am, um, on behalf of our community, a business benchmark group, our team and all our clients, um, I want to thank you again. Employsure is an organisation that has over 27,000 um, um, clients across Australia and New Zealand, for which 80% of them are in SME. 
Malcolm Chong is the regional sales relationship manager. His mobile number is 0456 783360. Mention our name, you go to the top of his list. Ensure that you are quoting if you don't get to the top of the list, ERA1547, and you will. Is that right, Malcolm? Yes, yeah, Stephen, um, thank you for that. Um, also, if I could just wrap up a couple of points. Firstly, um, gratitude to Gwen again. Um, Gwen is, helps hundreds of our clients, you know, over the last week regarding these matters and issues, and I'm sure you'll agree um, she's an absolute wealth of knowledge. And to keep up with the current changes in legislation and where this is all heading, and then to be able to commercialise it into this sort of advice, you know, take some skill and knowledge. Um, many people don't know this, but two nights ago, I was negotiating with one of our um, senior managers with the advice to secure Gwen's service to be able to um, help tonight because she's um, being pulled off our advice queue at the moment. So um, we're very lucky to have her. She's one of our best. Um, and, you know, just to summarise again, a couple of, of really her key points, which I think we should take away tonight. One is JobKeeper, not legislation yet. Just be careful. Don't make uh, any assumptions or jump the gun or make some promises which you may not be able to keep. So just, just a, 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 you know, a little bit of caution there, as you mentioned, Stefan. The other part is Gwen mentioned a number of, um, I guess, alternatives you know, around redundancy, about reducing hours, uh, maybe about, you know, uh, renegotiating pays, uh, et cetera, annual leave, long service leave. There's always um, a consultative process and there's always what we call a certain um, due process or procedural fairness when we go through this. And that's the bit which is really important that a number of businesses work out, uh, sort of miss out. Um, and in this current environment where you do have a number of employees that are, I guess, in this self-preservation mode, um, you know, that can lead to some issues in the workplace for an employer if they decide to, to, to go that route. And we're talking about um, claims, for example, against the employer. So, so that, that, that's just a, a couple of quick things to summarise, I, I think, from um, Gwen, Gwen's presentation. Um, also, you know, before I hand back to you, Stefan, I would like to thank um, uh, you and Nikki for inviting us on the call. When uh, Nikki asked me a few days ago, I jumped at the chance because it gives EmployShore uh, a chance to contribute back and also to help you and your community. Um, Stefan, you mentioned my support to you, but you've been uh, tremendous to, to my personal relationship and learnings. And also, um, you know, I'm glad we can help your clients um, out in these times of need. It's, it's good to be able to share knowledge. And I, and I really hope that um, people have been able to um, go away with a little bit more clarity than perhaps, you know, before they came onto this call. So thank you again for allowing us the, um, the chance to talk as well. Uh, you, you're welcome. And thank you once again, Gwen. I really appreciate your time in a very busy Busy time and we are all busy and that's, um, I think the giving back is one of the most amazing um, things that are going to, that's going to come out of this period for all mm. of us and every one of us. And I have a firm belief um, and I've lived by this belief all my life. How you do anything is how you do everything. So with that, every one of us has an opportunity to keep on moving forward and leading and being the leader that you could be. 
and do leadership in service of the expertise that you bring to your market. Lead your people, lead your clients, lead your opportunity, lead your mind to where it needs to be, but always be clear about the things that you make decisions on. As it relates to JobKeeper, we have just reconfirmed it is not legislated yet. So do not spend too much bandwidth on something that is not law yet. Focus on the things you can control, and that's going to take you way further than focusing on things that might never, ever happen. So power to every one of you. Thank you for investing your time with us. This will be up on our resource centre, as will the slides, if that's okay. Can we put our... Put your slides up on the resource centre. Gwen, can we do that? Yep. Yeah, I don't think that's a problem. Yep, absolutely. Excellent. And um, please reach out to um, Employer Show. I know there's plenty of um, um, questions that may be still needing to be answered over the next one, two, five, ten weeks. We utilise Employer Show for our own business and have been for over eight years. And, um, you know, we've never looked back as to times of need to ensure we're always making the tough and the most appropriate but fair decisions. Thank you so much and um, we'll speak soon, Malcolm, and power to you and the work you do. And thank you so much, Gwen. Thank Pleasure. you. Thanks, Thanks, Thank everyone. you, everybody. See you. Good night. Thank Good you. Night. Bye. Everybody be safe. Thank you. For more information about Business Benchmark Group's coaching, education and training programs, visit businessbenchmarkgroup.com.au or call 03-9001-0878. If you liked this podcast, please rate it on iTunes, Stitcher or SoundCloud and leave feedback as well. Stefan shares so much value in all his podcasts and we encourage you to go through the archives and listen to other episodes of the Business Benchmark Group podcast. Thank you for listening.